Welcome to an action-packed episode of ARG Presents. I'm your good chum, amigo Aaron, joined by a man so foul that he ended our brothership at just two. We never even made it to a trilogy. I give you the Brent. You know, speaking of trilogies, remember back in the day when Capcom couldn't couldn't count to three? Yeah. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Champion, Street Fighter Turbo, Free Fighter Hyper, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, Valve has picked up that mantle with Half-Life and is is going for the new high score. Some trilogies, man, you just they just never get made. Yep, and that's and that's the way the Dowdy Brothers were, man. So, along those <laughs> lines, if you tuned in last week, we spun the wheel, we made the deal, Brent. And yeah. this week, we'll be playing games that were the last of a trilogy. Yes. Right? The last of a trilogy. You know, when this came up on the wheel, I thought to myself, man, that's really clever. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to pick out. And then I sat there and furrowed my brow in a vein attempt to understand. This was a yep. much harder thing to find than I thought it would be, man. What, did you have the trouble I did? I did. I Actually, I went and I said, okay, something that had, you know, three games... And then nothing. That's what I wanted. Three games and then nothing. That is very, very hard to find. Indeed. And very difficult. Because a lot of those games, you know, if you can get three games out the door, chances are, even if the third game was a complete bomb, chances are you're going to get some kind of revitalization down the line. When yeah. those retro good feels hit you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was surprisingly difficult. Now the first thing that popped into my mind, and I don't know if you would uh, if you would have went for this or not, was Super Mario Brothers three, because it's, it that, was it, that made a it lot was of the lists. Last of its line that made a lot of lists. Uh, that yeah. one, but I mean that one's hard to pick, isn't it? I mean honestly, because I mean there well, have been many many Super Marios over the years, and also I mean, and that's the problem. This this. I knew right away that we were probably going to have to do Last of a Trilogy with with the old, with the butt strapped to the end because we right it, even the game I chose you could argue that they had more than I mean it definitely absolutely had more than one title released at well well after the fact yeah uh, but uh, you know it's there were difficult to find some that just flat out died you're right and the funny thing is a lot of games that you think stink they still somehow lumbered past the third game yeah you know and so. If this was second, uh, the last of t- of two, it probably would have been easier than the last. Of Way three because, easier, yeah. And then you know, also know the uh, uh, the video game world holds on to their ti- their titles, their uh, merchandise like Grim Death, and they want to yes. squeeze and wring out every conceivable drop of what they could do with something. And so, I mean, when I looked at, I had I did some searches for trilogies, and so I was getting stuff like I was like Postal, for example, kept coming up. I'm like yeah. Postal had three games. How in God's name did that happen? You know, but you remember at the time it had the big name because it was so stupid, you know. But it it was quite remarkable and difficult to find trilogies. Now, I will say I want to use some of this time for my honorable mention because I told Brent right away that I had one that I wanted to do, and the only reason I didn't do that one in place of the one I picked was. Because I couldn't get myself and Brent a copy in time since we're running on a short week this week. Right. And that game was uh, Def Jam Icons. Now, the Jeff, the Def Jam series uh, started with Def Jam Vendetta, then Def Jam Fight for New York, and, and ended abruptly with Def Jam Icons. 
And this is the perfect example of a game that ended. This is what I was looking for. It's a game that came out. They changed. They've monkeyed with the original games. And ruined it. They ultimately ruined the series to the point where the fans no longer would accept it as a game. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny to go back and watch videos and read stuff of what happened because if, you, if you're familiar with it, and by the way, here's me talking about the Def Jam games. But by God, they were good games. What had, Well, funny, the first two were pretty good. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. There's a wrestling tie-in because uh, Aki was making a wrestling game for WCW, and WCW, the wrestling promotion, got bought by WWF at the time, WWE. And so there was no room for another wrestling game, and so they shopped their engine around, and uh, EA used that wrestling engine with the hip-hop license for Def Jam to come up with a really neat game. It was a fighting game. It was sort of like... uh, uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be fighting in the round, sort of, where the crowd would get involved. Sort of like Pit Fighter, except 50 million times more awesome. <laughs> and what they did was they took actual stars uh, that Def Jam had. They actually had actual actors. Like in the second one, you had uh, uh, Machete was in there. You also had, like, uh, a bunch of non-singers in there. You also had girlfriends that were a big part of it. The girlfriends could fight. The storyline was really fun. It was just a great game. And it was fun. It was a cool fighting game. It was way over the top. Way yeah. over the top. Well, in the third game, EA decided instead of using the Aki engine, they were going to use the engine from Fight Night in yeah. the game. Because and it was they went to a whole other house to do it. It was EA Chicago did this one. And they in- implemented that that system of Fight Night. And Fight Night was a great system at the time. It had won awards for that because that's a great boxing game. But it's totally different than what the two first two games were, and not in a Absolutely. good way. Yeah, and so it was such a departure. It also dropped like uh, it was like forty percent of the characters were gone. So you had, I mean, the second Def Jam game had like I think it's like forty six selectable characters. It was all it was unbelievable. And then they dropped like twenty of them or something like that for the third yeah. one. They added a bunch of it's just it's the ultimate suggestion of what they were trying to innovate, but they gave the people what they did not want. You know, so sometimes you can stray too far from the path, Brent, as you know. Absolutely. And one game I had greatly considered, uh, a a game that, in my mind, started good, started great, actually, and then continued to get better, and they released the third one, they wrapped up the story, and then they just ended it, was Max Payne. Yeah. It got, it was, got critically acclaimed. First game, second game, third game. Second game was definitely the slump. There's no question about that. But after the third one, that was it. They said, okay, we're done. And, and uh, uh, I, I still believe they will come out with an, another Max Payne uh, uh, entry at some point, maybe a prequel or something like that. I didn't but realize that, it only had three games. I'm surprised games. by that. Yep. You know, and it it really was the one that came out with the whole bullet time thing. Absolutely, it really popularized that. And of course, it got ripped off by everybody. They were doing their best John Woo uh, in those games, and, but those games were gritty, gritty as hell. Absolutely. Know? Another one that kept popping up was one of your old favorites, Brent Fable. Uh, you know, was the first three of those. Now, and of course, it lumbered, it lumbered <laughs> forward. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but. Uh, uh, it's another one that I, I saw in these lists. It's funny, these lists, I saw the same ones over and over. Uh, 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 I think another one was like A Devil May Cry or something. But stuff I'm not familiar with is too modern. Had, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, but uh, I wanted to stick. We both, now, well, we're going to let you explain yourself here in a minute. But I, 
I did my best to stick within the spirit of of the guidelines of the suggestion this week. Oh, I definitely uh, so, stuck to the spirit of the guidelines better than you did. I'm That's- guessing the Brent yeah. that you've got an angle here, and so well, I can't wait any longer. Let's get right to it, uh, the Brent. I'm going to let you lead the dance this week because you chose something so bizarre and odd to me that I could not. I don't. I still don't understand why you picked it. So I have, have a feeling. I know you. I know you, and I know you're working some sort of angle. And so we're going to let Brent lead the dance. Tell the people, Brent, of all the gaming world, what did you pick? I picked a game that I had previously not heard of, but after I did a little bit of research of what it was. It did more than just fulfill today's show, but it reached back and grabbed from last week's show and said, "Come here, I got, I, I'm going to take care of that too." I picked Nyet Three: The Revenge of the Mutant Stones. <laughs> this is a shareware well, game. It, well, you're correct. It, okay. The shareware came with uh, 18 levels, and uh, the full version came with an astounding 108 levels. <clears throat> and the other thing that this uh, did, which I always tried to uh, get a puzzle game into situations where you would never think a puzzle game would fit, uh, but Net 3 was the, was the final of the trilogy, and it is basically Tetris on steroids, but the steroids are bad steroids. They make you hurt. So, <clears throat> Net 3. Let's real quick talk about Net 1 and 2. Okay. Okay, we're done talking about Net 1 and 2. <laughs> they, they were literally, uh, they released, uh, they got in trouble because they, a, a, in the beginning, they didn't call them Net. They, they called them like Tetris something. Uh-huh. And the Tetris people were like, what are you doing? And they're like, okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> but this takes the Tetris formula you know, you've got your your shapes. They fall from the top, and you have to make lines. And you, when you clear the lines, uh, you know, clear four at a time, or three at a time, or two at a time, whatever. And then you go on to the next level. We and should this mention is, this is DOS, by the way. DOS oh yeah, game. yeah. Sorry, this is a DOS game, and this is a DOS game from 1993, <clears throat> which I'm surprised it was that new. I, I really am. Um, so. You're playing Tetris, right? But instead of just hitting go and playing Tetris, you are given a scenario. And it shows you a preview of how the board is going to look. And then it might give you a little blurb. Uh, Like, for example, it might say something like, uh, your friends are coming to join you, right? On the surface, who knows what that means, right? So you start the level, and you've got to clear... 10 lines or 8 lines, whatever the scenario calls for. And you're playing Tetris, and little blocks will just grow from your stack. And you're like, what the crap's going on? So you're playing, but, you know, that's the that's one of the first levels. Pretty easy to pass. Uh, and then it might be like, uh, uh, you know, you've got an obscure, and it covers half the screen, or it might change your block into something else. Or as you're dropping blocks, a big beam might come across the middle of your screen and and your block will land on it and then the beam will go away. So your block is just suspended in midair. I hate the beam, by the way. Or, you know, there are, or you might have blocks that you absolutely can't destroy, right? When you make a line, including those blocks or whatever, they don't go away. So 
You're like, what is going on? Well, this game has a store where you use virtual currency that you earn from completing levels to buy power-ups. And some of the power-ups will help you, you know, on any level. Like, you can buy scanners so you know the upcoming pieces, or you know, uh, uh, have things that will change your block into another block. You can either choose one that's random or change a block into a straight piece. Uh, and you have all these bits and bobbles. And then you have some things that you buy with your virtual currency that are required to get past the level. It might be something like destroy the steel blocks or stop the snakes. And snakes are little parts of the level that will randomly appear and they'll start growing and they'll start you know, just invading your board at a random point. But if you enclose them in Tetris pieces, they'll stop. So you can keep playing. You can play any of the 18 levels in any order. And then it once you beat them all, it goes to another 18 levels. And then another and another until you go through 108 levels. The reason why, ultimately, I chose this game <clears throat> is... This game is what true evil is in gaming. It starts out very innocent. Like the very beginning scene, uh, it has a little cut scene where a, a, a big fat guy in almost looks like pajamas or maybe a robe or something. I thought it was like a lab coat or something. Yeah, he, he's showing slides of who created the game. Yes, he is. <clears throat> and then... He goes to a random slide where there's a topless woman on the beach. It's like one of his uh, uh, vacation slides got mixed into his presentation. He gets all red faced, and then so you it instantly takes you off guard. You think, "Oh, this is going to be some nice, innocent little game. I I'm ready to play. This is going to be fun." And you play the first few levels, and you understand what's going on, and, and you can get through it pretty easily. And then you lose. You die on a scenario, and the screen just instantly goes black and then the whole game restarts and what makes this particularly evil is you have to pay your virtual currency to buy save slots so this whole game is just a slog to get through i did not make it even past the the second world because you're even though you're playing tetris right and tetris is is kind of a, a strategy game of sorts. The real strategy of this game is buy, saving your money and buying certain items when you need them or certain, you know, to get past the level. And if you run out of money and you didn't buy the thing you need, that's it. Game over. Start her back up. It you you know, it's one of those games it doesn't cheat. It doesn't, you know, throw a a, a random stupid mechanic at you for no reason or it doesn't uh screw with your controls unless it does there are levels which you that's what you are overcoming but it's always fair in the sense of you are going in and doing this thing and you know you have to do this thing you have to complete x amount of lines and then the whole level the whole exploration is determining what the level is going to do to screw with you and then wisely using your money. I love this kind of game. And when it's all based on Tetris, and some of the levels are just ingenious. They're just 
mind-blowing of who would have thought of this. I had a blast with this game right up to the point where I didn't have a blast on it anymore because I forgot to buy a save, and I was like 10 levels in, and yeah. I, I was like, oh my god, I'm done. I don't have enough time this week to keep playing this. But I, what did you think of this, Aaron? Uh, before I get into my thoughts, all right. how in God's name did you come up with this one? you got to tell me where this one came from. Because, I, listen, all right. I've, I walked in the, in the meadow of obscurity in DOS, all right? right. I've been there. All right. I, and I've never heard of this. And when I looked at it, I thought to myself, oh, it's just a cheap, uh, stupid uh, uh, Tetris knockoff. Now, and I'll get it in my feelings on it in a minute, but where in God's name did you come up with this one? Research, baby. I knew we were going to have a search... Uh, uh, a short week this week before we had to do the episode live. Uh-huh. And I, I researched and researched and researched, and when I found this... How much research could you do? We just we found out about it at the same time, you knucklehead. No, no man. I, I looked. I looked for different trilogy games, and when I found this, I, I didn't just find this and go, okay, that's the game I'm going to play. I found it and then learned about what how it worked and the mental manipulation it goes through, and I was like, this is it. This is what a good hard game is all about, and I had to I had to bring it to the people here, and I had to. Well, Plus, it's such a great twist on a game we all know. Everybody's played Tetris. Everyone that, knows what you need to accomplish in this yeah, game. Yeah. It's just a matter of actually being able to do it. I. This is one of those games. I will say <laughs> that right off the bat, it's 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 more than it appears. There's no doubt about oh, yes. that. Oh yes. Because <laughs> uh, it look it does it looks like a shareware title all the way through. I will say when you get to the actual Tetris ripoff part, it's okay. I mean that part. I mean congratulations, they didn't botch that. But some Tetris clones do. So I say yep. that. Um, listen, uh, uh, I humbly submit to you that you got yourself a winner here. I hate to say it. <laughs> I hate to say it, uh, but. This game now. Listen, if you're a Tetris purist, steer clear. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Because this game, it, again, we've mentioned this before. This is another game that loves hate and hates everything else, oh, and it yes. hates you. Uh, it's a yeah. Uh, it's the it's a laugh when you lose is brutal. Yeah. Oh, one real quick thing before I forget, Aaron, because I have to mention this: when you die and you lose, and the game goes to black, the the guy there's this evil laugh. And then you have to set through the intro again. Now, yeah. you can speed it up by, by tapping the buttons, but it doesn't just drop you back to the main menu. It You have to go through that whole intro again. There's actually an item you can buy that will just end your game before you die. So instead of actually dying, it takes you back to the menu, so you don't have to set through it all. I will say, so brilliant. This, the game uh, is not for the weak at heart. No. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, these Tetris puzzles are pretty diabolical. Even on the, like it's on the second level, I think pieces just start disintegrating. Yeah. And so if you're trying, this isn't a, it's another. This isn't a game where you start building Tetrises like no. right away, like you normally would. You get this. You want to get done with the level fast. Yeah. Uh, at least the first. I think I don't know how far you got. I think I got to level six uh, before I got I, farther than that. Yeah. Before I tapped out. Uh, you have to go to the store, and yes. you have to buy stuff, and uh, that that is an interesting element to this game. I will say, and there are. When I saw that store. Items. Yeah, what's that? 
There are tons of items. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. And if you don't have them. the money to pay for an item, you don't even get to know what it is. Yeah, you don't know what it is. Uh, I looked... <laughs> I, wa I looked at this game, and I watched people play it to see what the heck was going on. There's some funky stuff in this game. Yeah. If you're a person who likes Tetris, but are have gotten sort of bored, because, I mean, there are tons of Tetris variants. It's some that we yeah. like. I remember when you played that Sega arcade Tetris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton. Tetris Party and all these other games, okay? And I'm, maybe even some of this stuff, there might be a couple of these things that have been done by now. After all oh, these, absolutely. Well, you got to remember, I this was made in 80, or 93. Yeah, I so. guarantee you, there's stuff in here you ain't never seen. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee it. Uh, and yeah. if you are a, a Tetris fan, uh, this right here is your Huckleberry. Well, listen, you've got to be a fan of wackiness, too. <laughs> yeah. This game is the embodiment of shareware wackiness. Why, like, I, and I, I bet they made some bucks off this, too. You know, I bet they did. And I don't know what the other nets were like. I, I you know, but I mean, if, if by I mean, comparison, did they have the same kind of money feature and stuff? No, that this does? no, they they were more they were Tetris with gimmicks, but nowhere near towards the quality and polish that this game has. This is one game where you're going to want to have a, a some way to save the game off. Well, if you use save states, you're cheating. Yeah, you're going to want to cheat. No, you can't yeah. cheat. You got to try to do it the no. right way. Oh no, you can cheat, and I and I, you should. No. You know, but I will say this is part of the Exo DOS package. So if you're familiar with that, which is sort of a turnkey uh, Windows package for that, it has the DOS box. It has all the stuff pre-configured. It's worked right out of the gate and no problems. Well, this is also they have made the English version of this game free to download. the The guys that made it ha have completely released it into freeware at this point. Did you see what so, country this is out of? Germany. Germany. That's of all places, Germany. Yeah. yeah. By ProLine uh, Software. Yeah. This is a strange one. I'm assuming you found no eBay or no uh, magazine uh, well, reviews of this. Obviously, there was no box for this. Yeah. Uh, so, no, there, there's there's no eBay listing. You know, I, uh, looked, I looked up in the docs when the game's over. It flashes up on the screen. You can't skip this either. Yeah. And a very loud clicking, it, shows, it gives you the information to order the game. And the game, to have this sent to your house in, uh, what'd you say, 93? Yeah. This game was $35 yeah. plus $5 shipping. Yeah. That is... <laughs> it's big. That's expensive, man. It, it's big, yep. Uh, to that, I would say, yet. That's too much. <laughs> uh, but but <laughs> $35, especially in 93, no, that it, it, it's not worth that. But free in, in 2021... Oh, yeah, man. If you like Tetris at all, this is something you've got to go and play. Yeah, and the funny thing about it is when you go to that store, there's there, the, the things you buy are so uh, unnatural. Yeah. You know, that it's, you just stare at it like, what what am I going to do with that? You know, the first so, thing I bought turned every block, every, every L-shaped block into a straight block. Yeah. Okay. Seems great, right? Well, I don't know if it was. It's a it's, one it's, use. <laughs> And no, 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 it's not. And oh, since do you get I, multiple charges with that one? And since I've never done, had, I've never played a game that did that, I wasn't sure if it was helping. <laughs> That's the problem because I never thought about it. Like, boy, I wish I could turn these shapes to something else. Well, <laughs> you know, there's, good luck. Uh, there's, 
there's things that deal with the challenges at hand. There's uh, things you could buy that just increase your score. Yeah. I mean, the score is nothing in this game except for pride. And, and you spend some money, have some score. It, it's that false sense of security. It really does lure you in and makes you think, you know, man, this is just a fun little game. I'm going to play a little bit of Tetris. This is going to be great. And then it just punishes you. And did it's you, great. It's great. Did you look to see if this was like on uh, archive.org or anything? I'm, it is. Yeah, it, it is. it's available okay. in, in lots and lots of places. Okay, so if you if you want to try this on your own without downloading the uh, outstanding ExoDOS package, I, I actually recommend, I, never, I, I was going to bury you again. Deep, I'll give you credit. You've done it again. And much to my chagrin, I had to give the devil his due. This was a good one, uh, Brent. I, I, I had I had to say I, I thought you did a good job. Also, Revenge of the Mutant Stones. I got nothing. I yeah. couldn't find what that had to do with anything. There you go. So. There <laughs> you go. Well, that was <laughs> yet three Revenge of the Mutant Stones. Very very interesting, Brent. So, <clears throat> needless to say, I went a completely different direction. Uh, with what this. you mean you you didn't pick something on the lines of Niet three? No, no. <clears throat> you know, uh, a lot of people that are familiar with the, what I like know that I was always a big fan of Star Control, specifically Star Control two. However, Star Control had a third game, which is going to be the game I look at today: Star Control three. Brent, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> this was published by Atlum Toys and developed. Uh, by a legend entertainment company. All right. Uh, if you've not heard of that particular bunch, uh, they did. They basically came out of the came out of the text era, and were sort of supposed to be the kind of the next big deal. Uh, I'm looking over the list of the things they did. Uh, I, I have played Eric the Unready, which I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I wasn't a big fan of that one. They did the Companions of Xanth, which I knew about, but they also did the kind of interesting and amusing Superhero League of Hoboken. You remember that one? No. Nope. Back in the day? Yeah, well, that was a game <laughs> I, I, I got a kick out of. Uh, the last game they had before they got purchased uh, by GT Interactive was Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, but I do remember that coming out. Uh, so this game had originally been handled by Accolade, the Star Control 1 and 2. And so, if you're familiar, and I'm going to go on the assumption that most people have at least heard of Star Control 2 or the Star Control series, <clears throat> but it basically in Star Control, it's a sweeping, sort of a, a strategic slash arcade game uh, that you that puts you in the role of someone that's affecting the outcome of this huge uh, galactic battle, right? Uh, Star Control was made by uh, uh, some real popular guys. It's got a real huge following. Right and the original, the yeah, the original, and the original was done by two fellows, uh, Fred Ford and Paul Reich the third. There's another three for you, by the way, Brent. And so, uh, they, when they decided to do the third game, um, Accolade would not give them more money, which they wanted because they had just they'd be killing it with Star Control One and Two. And Star Control Two was a straight up huge, huge bona fide hit. Yeah. And so what they did was they said, okay, uh, we are going to hire Legend Entertainment to make this sequel. Okay. So I'm telling you this to plant the seeds here. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, uh, and, and and I'll get to all this in a, in a foot, but keep this in mind: original original creators, they're out. Okay. Now. I read several different places how this split occurred, all right? 
But one of the things I read, this is a Moby, because some people said like it was amicable and they even brought the guys back to help with the third one a little bit. But one of the things I found telling was the, the Fred Ford and Paul Rush, they owned a lot of the alien races in the game because in Star Control, yeah. lots of aliens appear. Accolade was like, listen, uh, you've got to sell those to us. All right. Uh, basically, they so we need you, we want you to sell the characters to us unconditionally. And so they made a deal to get, they decided, okay, we'll go ahead and do it so we can make a little bit more money. So they sold all their aliens to, uh, to uh, Accolade, who did let them go to Legend. Now, Legend, it's funny, the reason Legend got hired was because uh, some of the guys in upper management of Legend were real big, like, hardcore fans of Star Control series, okay? So, everyone figured, well, heck, we're turning this over to a company of uh, that's reputable and that they know what they're doing. And then Legend, to their credit, brought in some of the smartest, most talented writers in the industry at the time uh, to work on this. So they, it wasn't like they brought in the ding-dongs. They brought in some, you know, at the time, these are guys you wouldn't have heard of, but these were, they made brought in big-time players yeah. to help work on this thing, right? So uh, for all intents and purposes, everyone was planning on this game being a big hit, okay? Now, they put money into this game, too. Well, they, they didn't put any more money than they were... They put some money, which we'll get yeah. to what they did with the money. But I want to kind of go over a general... Uh, overview of what the game is, okay? Again, this is a DOS slash Windows game. You surrender Windows 95. And a couple years down the road, they released a Mac version of this game that was uh, not met well, all right? So I don't know if the Mac version just stinks. Years had passed, so it could just be that it was just aged at that point. But the Mac version was not well received. I do know that. I've not read any good reviews on the Mac version of it. So what is Star Control 3? Well, Again, it picks up directly to Star Control 2. Uh, and in Star Control 2, uh, your character used basically this like uh, uh, this uh, ultra weapon to take out the Urquan Masters, these guys that were like basically subjugating big chunks of the universe. Yeah, they flew. he flew a ship into it. Flew a it. ship up and it blew <laughs> up. And if you watch the opening, they sort of recreate the, this in the opening of this thing. And so uh, uh, the, when this happened uh, in the, in the storyline... The explosion was so violent that it blew your guy's little escape pod into a pocket time warp. Yeah. And while he was there, he saw the future. And the future was all the alien races banded together, getting crushed by some other race. Okay. Then he popped out of this uh, time warp, landed on this planet, was marooned effectively. It's the same planet he'd been marooned on before. And so he had to basically build himself a new ship. Okay. Now, when he escapes, he finds out that uh, he's got the only ship in the universe that anyone knows of that can still use hyperspace. Okay, he's built this thing with these th with these artifacts called precursor artifacts. All right, I know this sounds sort of complicated, but I'm going to dumb it down real easy. So, long story short, your guy's got the only ship that can get around with using hyperspace. Everyone else is effectively doomed to like local space travel. Okay, these are races that are used to zipping all over the place. You also find out that a lot of the races that were you were fighting with in the second Star Control have have joined up with your alliance because they really have any choice. Yeah. And so at the start of this game, what's happened is your character has gone through and grabbed a. This is all before you start playing. He's grabbed a bunch of these different alien races and they've went out to go to all different parts of the uh, galaxy to try 
to uh, find precursor artifacts to so they can get hyperspace back up, basically. They've went out there looking for these artifacts. And once they find the artifacts, they've got to effectively figure out how to use them and then implement them, okay? that And so uh, that's pretty much the plot. Uh, the, uh, the the of course, since your f- character has seen basically uh, his impending doom, you get the inclination that there's a, a mega race coming, and there is, by the way. Right. Now, I did not get nearly far enough into the game to to actually get to really tangle with these guys. They're called the Hergemonic uh, Crux. These bad guys. So, what do you do out there in space? Well, you're visiting all your alien uh, alliance pals. You're also helping there. Who they've all set up, uh, basically factories, bases on all these different on different planets that are they're using to my, to make resources for you, make ships, make fuel. They're also trying to research artifacts. Okay, uh, you actually control these various uh, factory uh, sections with basically sliders, and what that means is you're determining how many people are. Are on the job, okay? It's, yeah, you allocate allocate resources. Even by my standards, it's pretty simple, right? Because when I saw this in the preview, I'm like, uh oh, we're here. What are we doing here? But it's but it, it was it's not too bad. If you uh, want if you, something to get built faster, you give it more resources. Correct, that's, correct. That's and you it. could also with you could also withdraw populace from the planet to take with you to do other stuff, etc. and so forth. So, uh, another huge aspect of the game is the map screen. The map screen, on, I will say, this has always been a pain in the butt, these map screens. And this one's no different. The Star Control map screens are always this sort of three-dimensional deal. And the three dimensions are always a pain. I will say, I found this one the least painful to navigate of, the, of all three games. Uh, but but uh, it's still, I mean, you're, you're traveling in three dimensions, and so the map is real complex, basically. It's a 3D map you have to kind of spin around. And, of course, it doesn't give you how far your ship could go, how much fuel it's going to take. And so, at first, you're sort of limited to how far you can go based on where your fuel points are. <clears throat> I read I read an interview with the developers of this, and they, deci- they decided to put in uh, this, uh, this uh, mining and building aspect to the game to make it so you don't have to always return to Earth to get fuel, which is always a pain in the butt. So you could, go, you could go out and explore more, which I did appreciate that. Something I didn't like in, back in the day. Now... When you go to one of these different uh, uni- uh, one of these different galaxies, solar systems, you go in and, and you get a readout of all the planets, and some planets are populated with people that you dropped off. And so early in the game, uh, what you're going to do is every time you come to a planet that has a star base on it, you basically a window pops up with a and it's a it's a video of a guy you're talking to or girl, and these are pretty interesting uh, because this is where you get into the dialogue of the game now, and there's a lots of it. <laughs> Now, if if you remember the first, the second game in particular, there were tons and tons of different alien races, tons and tons of people in the races. That sometimes they would speak. They were always interesting. And this, I assume that, in fact, this is what I read. They didn't want to go back to that same graphical interpretation of the alien races, okay? But they weren't confident enough in three-dimensional graphics to do, go that route. And so what they did was so they went somewhere in the middle, since this was a CD-ROM title, they basically used CGI and puppetry to make the aliens. Now, I remember at the time this was a pretty big deal. In fact, there's a if you look at the box, there's a big uh, alien right on the front there, puppet alien puppet. And I remember seeing the previews for this thing and thinking to myself, "Man, uh, look at all this is bizarre. 
You know, it really was a whole different aspect to the game. The the old game had a lot of personality and humor, uh, but this is a whole different level because this is all spoken word. There's 11 plus hours of audio in the game, and trust me, you're going to hear it because when you go to an yeah. alien, you can, I mean, you don't have to sit there and click everything, but like one of the things I appreciated is that you could go, like, for example, I haven't played Star Control 2 for a, probably a decade. It's been forever. The last time I played it's when me and Boat did the Hyper Melee on uh, the 3DO, and that was you know, a couple years ago. You know, when I really, and I haven't played the actual strategy part of it for years and years, way back. So I'd forgotten most of it. And you can go back, and when you talk to one of these aliens, you could have them effectively tell you their entire backstory, which is yeah. great. I love that. Uh, the, uh, um, one of the sticking points, however, was the puppetry and the voice acting. And I'm going to ask you, Britt, just because I know you saw some of this. What were your initial responses to the puppetry and to the CGI and to the, and to the voice acting? And I'll tell you what I thought. Well, some of the voice acting is pretty weak. I mean, not, I don't, I, at least nothing I experienced was so embarrassing that I just held my face. Uh, but it, it's not. I mean, there's so much. There's so much dialogue in this game. Yeah. So, so much. And there, and some of it is interesting because it's talking about not only what's going on, but where you're at and who they are. And yeah. it's fun to learn about different aliens and everything. Um, if this is a game where you just want to uh, get into the campaign and do some hardcore action, you are screwed. That cannot happen. Um, and when you do get into the action, it, some of it's very, very quick. But back to your back to what you asked, uh, the graphics, the puppetry of the people, it's kind of jarring, but it's also kind of refreshing. Um, it was absolutely different for the time. Yeah, uh, I, I think of a game like um, Psychonauts that that sort of does that that same. They they were blend. more like didn't they 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 use more like the uh, uh, Harry. They use like the one move at a time, like miniatures. That stop that. motion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, like I said, it's it was different, but it yeah, it, it was it was a refreshing feel on graphics. So I can absolutely appreciate what they were trying to do, and some of the expressions and stuff they they look natural, and some are so uncanny valley that it's off putting. Yeah, I will say this. First of all, I think. It's funny. I think this aged better than it did when it was new. All right? Is that, I agree. You know, I actually why. agree with that. Two reasons. One, we weren't loading this off CD-ROM. We were loading off the hard drive, so I didn't have to wait for stuff to load. I'm sure this yes. is a burden. Okay? <laughs> Secondly, um, one thing I like about this is you're talking to all these crazy aliens, and they are alien. I mean, they yeah. look alien. When you see them, you're like, holy smokes, look at this freak. You know, and if, and the dialogue, a lot of people complained, oh, you're, and don't get me wrong, it's not like there's 11 hours of video of these people talking. There's not. They just basically no, kind of, they've got it, a canned a, bunch of responses they, they, in terms of the way they look. And a 15 uh, second loop. But and you've you also got to consider this game has 24 alien races, each has their animation, 12 original races out of that 24 that weren't in the first couple games. And then you've also got to consider. The 11 hours of dialogue is a ton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a ton. And I I really, a lot of people, now, have I seen 24 alien races? No. 
I've seen oh, about no. I've seen about seven so far. Okay, that's what, how far I got this week. But I enjoyed them all. Uh, uh, to be completely honest with you, there were none that I hated. And the voice acting, you know, the voice acting is. You've got to understand the dialogue in the, what they're saying is great because the aliens sound alien. Like you yeah, talk about the box, fine. They the hated you the in the problem. first game. And a lot of the people in this game, you can tell they're sucking up to your guy, pretty much all of them, because you've got the only yeah. way to uh, use hyperspace. Yeah. So, like the Spathy, they're still like when you come in to see the Spathy, you wake him up and he, and he goes, Oh my God, we've been captured. Because I'll tell you everything about the Alliance. He goes on this long diatribe. He's going he's gonna to sell out the Alliance. And he goes, Wait a minute, who's been screwed with the tent on my monitor? And he's like, Oh, and he goes, Oh, it's you. Yeah. So you can spend part of the conversation grilling this guy. He's like, Oh God, I wasn't going to turn you in. I was just joking. It was all cutting plan. <laughs> I'd say those guys are the best. They're so, that guy was so funny. He reminded me of my robot, the 2XL. I, I, I have to look up who did the voice for him. But anyway, and that's something you, with the dialogue and stuff. Yeah, it it does not take itself overly serious. No, it, it's, this is very very fun, very campy. Yeah. This it, game is actually funny. Hard. Yeah, it's funny. Don't think like it, the first one. The first couple were funny too, but this one is laugh out loud funny. There were plenty of parts that I cackled with, you know. Uh, and depending on who you talk to, uh, you know, some like there's one outfit that all they care about is 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 worshiping is basically listening to their their head robot guy, Ultron. You got to do what Ultron says. Ultron, and you'll ask the guy, they'll be like, "We're pretty sure this race is evil," and they go, you'll be like, "Why?" And he goes, "Oh, the Ultron said so." That's all they need. They don't have <laughs> yeah. any proof, you know. And then you got one group of people who are th- these like it was like. Uh, uh, they have a they're real religious and so everything's talking about their religion you know the alien races are real interesting and i enjoyed it i remembered a lot of them from the first couple games and it was fun so i i'm one of the people i'm pro puppet i was okay with the puppet oh yeah but i don't have any problem with the puppet i know that the puppets did not get over uh during uh, the when it time of release yeah correct did they did i i know that from talk i remember the chud was that he's not happy you know this is no good so Let's talk about uh, the actual arcadey parts of this. Now, during your adventures, uh, you will occasionally run into aliens that are hostile to you. Okay, and so <laughs> that's when you break into the hyper melee uh, portion of the game. Now, all the ships you're building, you're going to have access to in this eventually. The more you build, and your whatever race is coming at you, like there's a new race of characters. I think they're called the back back backs and back back attacks something like that there's these robot guys you can't understand what they're saying and they show up real early and you fight yeah. them a lot now if you've ever played star control 2 the combat is just sort of a 2d it's basically like uh a 2d flat combat screen with two ships and then you f- and you shoot each other with whatever weapons those ships have and then there's some asteroids and some plants and that's it and the screen wraps around and this is basically the same with a butt. And the butt is they've introduced this like weird depth to it, haven't they, Brent? This that they've given the ship some sort of weird depth. The depth where it's they're, coming they're, to play. Pseudo three D. Right. I I'm not the biggest fan. I read somewhere right before we got one on that you could turn this off. I don't if you can't, I didn't know oh, about that. I didn't see that. But yeah. it's it's not a game breaker, you know. This combat is fun. It's I always, most time when I play this game, it's hyper melee. And this one of the things this offers, Star Trek Three would let you play 
hypermelee over the land, for example. So you could actually network and play it if you wanted to. We used to just play it hot. You know, we used to play one, you know, two people at once on the computer. Uh, but uh, that melee was always something that we enjoyed. But I will say the menus in this to select your ships, they stink. They they did a crap job on those. I hated those because you can't see all the uh, all the ships at once. You got to kind of scroll down through these little portraits, and it's no good. So they dropped the ball on that. Plus, all the ships that you're used to that were here before, any of the ships that were part of races that got booted, they don't get to use those no more. Those yeah. ships aren't even yeah, in they're here. Gone. That's like twelve ships gone. Yeah. You know, so that blows. Um, let's talk. Got a couple more points I want to bring up. Let's talk about the music in this. The music in Star Control 1 was pretty good. The music in Star Control 2 was real good. The music in this game is not real good, okay? Yeah. They went to that old, you know, people wax about this music, and I cannot figure it out. It's that old MIDI crap, right? Straight up Casio crapola, all right? Don't like it, never did. They put that in this game on purpose instead of using the mod file system they used before, and they did that so they would have easier times porting this to consoles. That was the word on the street. And that's what they reported. Well, guess what? Didn't get ported to consoles. This game. I was never... sorry to ask what console this came out. Well, on. they planned on porting <laughs> this to the Saturn and the PlayStation, and it never, and this never happened. And so, effectively, you got the MIDI, but you didn't get the actual. That's all you got, you know. So that's that sucked. You know, no good. No good. Uh, I've been interested to see this. I mean, you could have easily ported this to a, a, another uh, to a console because they've... Something else they've changed in the previous Star Control, so it's all mouse-driven. And so you could have done it, but I don't think I'd want to play this on a on a console. I mean, you could, though. But, I mean, because it'd be, you know, use a controller. But it's not... I could see why it didn't make the cut. It's funny, though, because they stopped... They decided not to port this to consoles during production of the game. Well, why not put good music in, you know? <laughs> so they could port it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to get it too deeply into the plot of this. The plot is interesting. I read over the plot. I've watched about half the game. I played through about... I probably played this game a total six hours this week, uh, believe it or not. Just because, I mean, I played a couple sessions to... Because, uh, you know, this is the kind of game I had to re-familiarize myself. I'll also mention that this game includes this. Uh, you're, you have an onboard computer. The onboard computer is great because effectively it'll it will tell you where to go next. It'll yeah. say like, "Oh, we have we have received word that there's a Urquan colony on like Scumbag Four, and then you're like, "Whoop, set course for Scumbag Four. This game is is one of these games that's like uh, has keyword driven game, and so you can actually screw up stuff. Quite easily in this game. No, it didn't happen to me, but I read about a ton of people having that problem where they would do something the game didn't want them to do at that particular time. And when they went back to another alien, that keyword was screwed up and then the game was boned. So that can happen. You know, it, that was a sign of the times. That's what thing yeah. happened. Because what you'll do in this game is you can activate, uh, you know, you it's since you're doing all that dialogue. And when you go talk, for example, there's one section of the game where an alien race says, listen, the Vox are like raiding us, you know. And you go talk to the Vox, like, what? No, 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 not us. Well, that stuff wasn't there before you talked to the race that said they were raiding them. You get my point here. Yeah. Um, something else I thought was interesting. I was re I was reading some reviews on this, and this guy talked about how long things took to happen. And I'm assuming the guy didn't know about this, but in the lower right hand corner, there's a clock that's rolling. There's a slider on it, and you can determine how much time passes on it. So yeah. He was talking about going out and walking his dog and stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? 
clearly he did not read the docs. By the way, the docs yeah, are scanty. Yeah. The, on this the Tom speed up is is absolutely necessary yeah. because sometimes you're just waiting for stuff to, to fuel to get mined or, or you know your your engineers to get finished and then you're just like eh, crank yeah. it up to a million okay everything's done <laughs> yeah yeah so with all that said one would wonder when this was released how it did well it did pretty well uh it was considered a commercial success uh it debuted at number 11 on the charts in 96 it went all it went up to 10th uh it uh uh in its initial two months, uh, Wiki here says it's, it sold 100,000 units. Pretty good. Uh, the critic scores back in the day were quite solid. Uh, uh, looking over them, I've, I've got a list of them here. Uh, for example, uh, PC Player gave it a 91. Gameplay gave it 83. Powerplay, 81. PC Action, 80. Uh, CGW, that's the old computer game world, 80. Uh, so these scores are pretty good. Now the Mac, I will say Macworld gave the Mac versus a 40. So they killed it. And and I heard apparently the Mac versus is quite bad. Yeah. So, I've heard it actually has issues. It's not the yeah. game. It, it just has issues. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is this game came out. It sold well, right? It, uh, performed well. And it, uh, in terms of its rating. So why is it sort of frowned upon now? And I'm telling you straight up. This game is frowned upon because the Star Control 2 people are hardcore and they do not like this game. And the main reasons are uh, they don't like the puppets. They don't like the music. They don't like the fact that the two creators are gone. That's the big thing. They don't like some of the directions that they took the the, uh, plot lines and stuff. I, I can understand that, but again... Here's, I'm a guy who loves Star Control 2, but I actually really enjoyed my time with this. I thought the menus were so much easier to get through. I liked the puppets. I liked the storyline. I liked the fighting. I liked it, man. Overall, I had a good time with it. Um, people might also ask, well, why wasn't there a Star Control 4? Well, <laughs> there was a thing called StarCon that was started on, and it was more of a... Uh, it had more of a, a first-person or a third-person ship view, sort of like a Sky Fo- a Star Fox or something. But it never got out of production. And then, ultimately, as far as I can tell, the two guys that that uh, started Star Control had a big legal battle that just ended, like, recently. Uh, uh, so they got into a huge legal battle over who owned what. They were both trying to make their own games. And so what's and apparently there was a game made, Star Control Origins, that was eventually was pulled off the shelf. And take it out of circulation because of this lawsuit. So apparently, there's going to be uh, some sort of uh, some sort of uh, uh, new resurgence of Star Control material from two different people. I guess that's what they agreed to was to both sort of do their own thing, which is good, you know, because there are still a ton of fans out there that like them some Star Control, uh, myself included. Um, I looked this up on the eBay, Brent. And uh, you can get one of these. I was surprised. I saw sealed copies of this thing going for under thirty bucks, and you can get a copies mm. of this all day long for twenty dollars. So not not too bad. Any any final thoughts on this one? Star Control Two, which is my favorite of the series. Yeah. Not. I I, I don't know. I didn't play enough of Star Control Three to either love it or hate it. Uh-huh. I mean. There's a lot there to unpack in, in the short amount of time that we had. Yeah, but Star Control Two uh, sparked a special uh, interest in my life when when we were out and we were playing that. So much so that it got me 
it was the game that really got me into thinking about what I would do if I was going to build a game. What would I change? And I took, I had, I wish, I know they're lost to time, but I had notebooks full of arcade cabinets where uh, you it was star control and the different control schemes and how you would shoot and how you how it would play. And I, I, I drew up cabinets for two-player, four-player, eight-player, and had, you know, all these setups. And I had ships, alien ships, and their backgrounds and their how they looked and all this stuff. And all of it was spurred by Star Control 2. So Star Control 2 really holds a special place in my heart. And uh, because of that, it will always be my favorite in the series. Uh, yeah. That said, that said, uh, I don't think Star Control 3, outside of getting rid of the original people, I got a big problem with that, right? But I that's half the that, original. Yeah. That wasn't the game's fault, right? That that was that's politics and all that crap. Well, no, they owned all the characters. They're even mentioned well, in here. They just but they yeah, no, what, no, they I know, room. I know, yeah, I know. But the game itself is not offensive to the material. Uh, it took some liberties and choices with the puppets and, and the uh, excessive amount of of voice options and stuff like that, but. It didn't do anything, in my opinion, to harm the brand. Getting rid of a I bunch agree. of races made the the uh, big brawls suck, right? Because get rid of some of your favorite people, right, and it kept exactly. some of the crappiest ones. Uh, but it was not offensive. It didn't make me angry at the game. So if this is if you are a fan, if you want to really sit down and play. For months, I don't think this is a game you pick up for a few hours and get fulfilled, which is unfortunately what we were up for this week. But if you want to really sit down and go through this space opera, uh, there's enough uh, in-game backstory in Star Control 3. I think you could probably start here and feel feel yourself around. I, I, I would say go for it. I think this is yeah. st- certainly something worth playing. I think this is also a good one if you just haven't ever played the other two and just wanted to try one. It's a good one. I will yeah. say I thought about this, Brent, and it's funny. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, melee action on this reminds me a lot of the same basic principles of Archon. You know, in fact, the game doesn't entirely. You've got the different uh, items with the different powers. You you fight them together. There's and, and of course Archon Ultra had that strategic element to it. That, I mean, not on this level, but it's still. I can see I can see why both the games are appealed to me. There's something appealing about that system, but I think this is absolutely one that's worth checking out. Uh, if you, this is if very you can, slow pace, though, understand that going it, in. It, it is, but I mean, it's it's is this if you if you're a fan of Babylon Five, for example. This this is the game for you if you like politics and wacky aliens and all that stuff. This is a, this is a game I think uh, that's lighthearted. It does yeah. not take itself serious. Yeah, it's most genuinely of the time. funny too. You know yeah. what else is genuinely funny, Brent? Is it me? Well, your face, but also the oh. wheel. Let's get it going here. <laughs> all right, man. So, Brent, you know yes. you really came through with these new pieces, man. Thanks, man. I tried. I tried. Listen, they, they are they are scheduled for a for a Sunday delivery. Where you have these printed at the North Pole? So <laughs> we still we're, but we've still got pieces in here that we have never rolled on the wheel, and so we've got them here. Single word title. 
is the is the one we've placed on here this who, week. Who has submitted that, Aaron? Do you have an idea? Oh, boy. Let's see. It's actually written on here. Uh, let me see here. Caught me off guard. Um, this was you. This was you. I should have known you'd have me look up you. My God. All right. And the Retro Rewind piece is the vectors, everybody. Are you ready, <laughs> Brent? Yes. Spin me up, Aaron. Here we go. Ugh. See what we get here. And the winner is. Whoa, that's Brent. an oh, Aaron. It is. It is exactly what you think. It's the Bally Astrocade. Now, that there, piece. Goes. If you hear real, real hard, if you listen real close, the person who won uh, the Dragon Slayer Mini just squealed in delight. I yes, hear him. He did, I hear him right the, now. <laughs> he's the Bally Astrocade commander and yes. master. Uh, the nice and, thing uh, is all our research is done for us. The funny thing is... <laughs> we'll just pull that email that, up and read it. The reason that piece is on here is because he suggested it, and, the re and that's how he won, ultimately, that's how he won the Dragon Slayer. Well, because of that close, suggestion, wasn't close. it? Close. No, <clears throat> he suggested that piece way back. That's, that, that's probably the oldest piece still left on the wheel. And it got put on the wheel, and he got so excited that he wrote us an incredible... Uh, detailed and informative email saying, "Listen, you got to know about this and know about that, and this is what this is how you do the stuff and the things." So our research is done. It's amazing right? that and, we have never covered the Ballyastric, and that stuns and me. That bit of kindness, because you know, it just it was one of those things where if you had emailed us within the last so many uh, days, <clears throat> you automatically entered. He nailed it. There you go. In fact. Uh, Buck Owens, our good friend in the chat, just put up the website, BallyAlley.com, for all your Bally Astrocade needs. We'll be going to that site, Brent. Absolutely. So, uh, real quick, uh, before we take it to the house, I want to once again, bam, talk about Amigathon, Brent. Uh, it's It'll be sooner than later, man. It's coming. Uh, in fact, it's coming sooner than you think. It's going to be here in July. In fact, the actual date here is I never can find it on this stupid poster. It is July 24th, 2021, Brent. I can see where you'd miss that big text right in the middle. Take it off. It is tough. <laughs> it's going to be a happening. Uh, Illuminaries uh, from around the internet, shows far bigger and more important than we are, Brent, are going to be uh, uh, coming down and throwing their weight around uh, from a charitable perspective. Uh, I just saw a thing today that our good buddy Ravi Abbott, the DJ extraordinaire, was laying down a personal Amigathon track. A, like a, a, he was putting down a set just to show during Amigathon. He had uh, had a picture of it on Facebook, so it should be great. Uh, and if you are uh, the charitable sort, or just like uh, one wacky 12-hour extravaganza, actually well over 12 hours, then please uh, join us. Uh, for Amigathon 2021. There are the particulars, uh, and uh, we are raising funds for the Children's Miracle Network, Brent. It's a, it's a good cause. If you want to go ahead and... Uh, 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 in fact, you can even go up and donate right now. You don't have to wait. Why wait till the 11th hour, as Mean Gene Oakland used to say? You know what? Do it. Tell them ARG sent you, and give a big thumbs up. Yeah. This is if you want to donate right now, it's amigathon.com. That's A M I G A T H O N.com. The first 500 bucks uh, uh, that are going to be uh, that get placed up there. And I think we still got a couple hundred bucks to go. Uh, Retro Rewind 
uh, our good buddy Frank is going to match the first $500. Uh, and so that's a, that's a heck of a bargain right there, if you ask me, Brent. Uh, so that's worth checking out. I will shoot him mm-hmm. last next time we play online together. There you go. Well, that didn't stop him from blowing me away over and <laughs> over. I think that I think that's it. Thanks, for everyone, for joining us here uh, on a weird night uh, with the Brent being out of town. But then we'll be back to our normal uh, Sunday slot. And that will be, uh, let me see here, that'll be the 30th of May. 30th of May, we'll be back on at our usual 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Brent, let's take this thing to the house. Any final thoughts before we go? Uh, I think today, it, it, you know, this is unfortunate these games fell on a short week because I think we could have spent another full week on both these things and, and still had more to talk about. Well, I had a good time, and I'm going to keep playing both these. So there you go. Uh, so, until next time, yet to you. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, W. Vetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, the Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rasmussen, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroology, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.